0: Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Graw Pod. Doug Graw here today, uh, excited about this. Glad to be joined by my good friend, Gary Randall. Welcome to the show, Gary.
1: Thanks, Doug. Always great to be together on these. So it's February 2nd in
0: Minnesota. It's 50 some odd degrees. It is absolutely fantastic out. I was telling someone earlier today, it's a Friday afternoon that we're doing this. I feel like you should get a medal for being in an office and working when it's 50 and sunny in February in Minnesota.
1: There is no doubt I'm sitting here in my office at home looking out the window and I can't tell you how many people are walking by in shorts.
0: Yeah, it is fantastic out. Now, when we put together these podcasts and working with our good friends at the Podwheels Network, we try to plan ahead and come up with a schedule. These are the things we're going to talk about and make sure we touch on some issues that we know clients care about and all that kind of stuff. And then the world happens and you got to pivot and adjust your plans. So our plan was, and we will still talk about cargo claims and maybe how to prevent some and how to manage some, because it is a necessary evil, whether you're a shipper, a broker, or carrier, we're going to get into that. But the U.S. Department of Labor in January decided we're going to publish a new rule about independent contractor status. It's a significant news item. It's significant to the transportation industry. Depending on whose estimates you look at, there are over 3 million professional truck drivers in the United States. Somewhere in the 300, 400, maybe 500,000 of them are independent contractors, which I look at that and say that's a proud group of people who are great at what they do. They provide an awesome some valuable service to the industry to the shipping community and so forth and they deserve the right to be independent and to pursue what they want to pursue but it also means is there's a whole bunch of drivers out there who like being employee drivers and like doing the employee thing and the point being is we're an industry that proudly supports those that want to pursue independence and those that want the security of employment and the u.s department of labor I'm not a sky is falling guy, and I don't think the, the sky fell with their latest ruling or their latest final rule. But it is frustrating to read their rule and be like, I just don't think you quite get it that a lot of these guys and gals really love being independent.
1: It's almost like the law is trying to provide a protection for people that aren't asking for it.
0: That's a good way to put it. Now, let's talk a little bit about specifically what the Department of Labor has done. And for those that want a little bit deeper dive, I want you to know out there, you can go find some good information from us on independent contractor status. First of all, go to our website. We've got a good newsletter article, I like to think, about what happened with the new rule, going a little bit of the details of it. We've been on with Truck Safe Consulting and Brandon's group and talking about this. Brandon does great work and was happy to be a part of his show talking about independent contractor status. We've got a webinar coming up with our good friends at PrePass where we're going to talk about independent contractor status, I know we're going to be doing some work with presenting with the CLDA talking about independent contractor status with our good friends at Force talking about independent contractor status. Happy to talk with people about independent contractors and the Department of Labor and what's going on whenever people would like. And as they encourage you, go to the website, go to Truck Safe Consulting, go to PrePass. You can find some information there as well. But in short, what's happened, just remember the U.S. Department of Labor has a lot of authority, can do a lot of things, but it only can do things within the fair labor standards act and within its world it has no say over workers compensation it has no say over the national labor relations board it has no say over unemployment claims it has no say over a lot of things related to independent contractor status motor vehicle accidents for example has no role in that but it does have a role in wage and hour claims so their new rule is a tweak on the definition of what it means to be an independent contractor Instead of using these two or three factors that the Trump administration was looking at, they decided we're going to focus on these six factors. And again, you can go online to read a little bit more about the details. But setting aside the nuances and the kind of wonkiness of the rule... Gary, you and I spend a lot of time working with trucking companies and logistics companies about their independent contractor program. I think you've heard me say a lot of times, you need to have a good contract because a bad contract will get you in trouble. But winning a misclassification claim, proving that your contractors are in fact independent has a lot more to do with your day-to-day operations and the way you treat people and talk to people and interact with people in the business deal than it really does with the contract. When someone asks you, hey, can you come look at my program and tell me what's going well and what's not going well? What are some things that you're looking for that show you this company has a good independent contractor program?
1: I think just simple things like when they're talking about the folks behind the wheel of their truck, is everybody a driver and are they all being treated the same way or have they instilled in their people the difference between the contractor behind the wheel and the employee behind the wheel? And you can usually tell pretty quickly the companies that have done a good job of that and the companies that need to continue to work on that a little bit. It becomes so easy for the folks on the floor, if it's not reinforced by ownership, if it's not reinforced by management, it becomes very easy for the folks on the floor to just say, well, there's another driver and there's no differentiation in their mind between the two. Conversely, when you go to a company that you really feel like has a good program and understands what they're doing, it's simple things like referring to the employee driver versus the contractor driver and just taking the time to use that verbiage because you can almost be assured that if they're doing that, the types of conversation, the words they're using in the conversation when they're talking to those two different folks are different. They're using the proper verbiage when they're talking to a contractor, and not everyone just becomes a generic driver. I think the little details like that make a big difference.
0: Well said, Gary, because that permeates. It really does go into everything. When you care about and respect the independent contractors enough to talk to them on a day-to-day basis like they are small business owners... It's amazing how easy it is to remember that independent contractors don't put in for vacation time and independent contractors don't get told what to do on a day-to-day basis, that independent contractors have the freedom to turn down loads and have the freedom to select their routes and have the freedom to fuel where they want to fuel and all that kind of stuff. There's all sorts of coaching that still goes along. And don't get me wrong, you can still and you should still have standards and accountability For your vendors, which is what an independent contractor is, you should hold them accountable to meeting your safety standards, your customer service standards, your professionalism standards. But there is a way to hold them accountable and build them up without thumb on them, you're my employee, I'm telling you what to do, I know better than you kind of approach. I think some other things that I'm always curious about when somebody's asking you what kind of risks do I have in an independent contractor program, one of the first things I want to see is what's your turnover. If your turnover is relatively low, I can tell you off the gate, you probably have a pretty decent program doesn't mean it's perfect and you don't have issues, but that's a good way to look at it. Because if the independent contractors are staying, that means they like something. They like the money. They like the way they're treated. They like the loads they get, whatever it is. So that's something I'm looking at. And I'm also looking at their financial success. Do you have independent contractors that are completing leases with their trucks and making decent money at the end of the day? Now, some contractors are going to lose money. While that is not good on an individual level, you don't want to see anybody not make money. From a legal perspective, To know that your program allows for and there's room for independent contractors to be wildly successful, to be mildly successful, and to not be successful tells you there's business decisions and business freedom for those independent contractors. So, yes, we can get into things like contracts and policies and all that kind of stuff, but I like looking at that turnover number pretty early on to see what kind of a program the company might have.
1: I think so too and that spectrum that you referred to of, there's contractors that are making good money. There's contractors that aren't. All that really does is identify the coaching opportunity that you have with the contractor. Some of the mistakes that people sometimes make are, well, that's a contractor. I just have to leave that person alone and whatever happens, happens. That's not the truth. The truth is there's plenty of opportunity to coach and to help them understand what's good for their business and what also supports the goals of the trucking company. So the fact that there are some people that are succeeding and others that aren't, I agree with you, Doug. That's usually the sign of a good program. And that means that there's opportunity within that program to try to help those folks that aren't succeeding.
0: It's a great segue in terms of the coaching because there's other places that companies need coaching. And that's when we talk about cargo claims and what goes on there. Again, happy to talk with folks more about independent contractor programs. Check us out online, thegrawgroup.com. You've got our newsletter there and you can read up on independent contractor status, truck safe consulting, pre-pass webinar, and so on but cargo claims. One of the things that a lot of shippers are going to measure trucking companies on and logistics companies on, it's not going to be the number one metric. I'm not going to say that. Rates and rates and rates (laughs) are always going to be number one, number two, and number three, probably one through nine. But somewhere on that scorecard is going to be something about cargo claims. And it's going to be a, do they exist? Do you have cargo claims? Is there loss and damage and so forth to freight? But just as importantly is the response to the cargo claims. And I think that's something that you and I see a lot of times is carriers and logistics companies that honestly probably get a little too focused on just, am I liable? Am I not liable? And wringing their hands about that versus let's make sure we provide good customer service without necessarily promising the world and promising to just be a blank check.
1: It's the ease of doing business. That's so important in every aspect of our companies. And when you think about that relationship between the carrier and the shipper or the carrier and the consignee, it's that ease of doing business when it comes to a claim. I think both sides, if they're reputable companies, both sides understand that it's an issue that needs to be resolved and that someone's going to come out feeling like a winner, maybe a little bit more than the other person. But it's that ease of doing business and it's that consistency of what are your processes? How do you handle the claim when it does come up so that every single claim that comes up isn't a five alarm fire, that it's dealt with in a professional manner and that your shipper really should know what to expect from you when a claim does come up.
0: So we didn't come up with this topic out of thin air and just say, hey, let's talk about cargo claims. We're talking about this because in our lifetimes, and our careers, you think about our Graw Group team, what do we have? About a 100 years of experience, a little more than 100 years of experience among our team members in this industry. You mentioned reputable companies. I am not sure I have seen more collaboration at a high level among shippers, carriers, and brokers, the good ones, the reputable ones, across the industry when it comes to what's going on in cargo theft. I don't know the exact numbers of what's going on, but I know that you can easily Google and find studies and news articles about $500 million a year in cargo theft in the United States, $800 million a year in cargo theft in the United States. I'm not gonna say it's the same as what retailers are experiencing in their stores. It's not like it's all the smash and grab things, but the point is cargo loss is more and more not just this one thing that kind of happens every once in a while. Cargo loss is a big deal that is hurting carriers and brokers in terms of, do we have this insurance? Don't we have this insurance? Are we having to take care of this customer without insurance? And who's managing all this kind of stuff? And how do we provide good customer service? There's some big issues there. There's also big issues for shippers going, we've got a client right now, they didn't do it, but their shipper lost eight loads off of their dock purely due to theft. It's a big issue in the industry, so I am cautiously optimistic that I'm hearing more collaboration, including collaboration with law enforcement.
1: I think that's the right word to use because that is what we're seeing we're seeing people work together to try to battle this industry issue it's not just a carrier issue or a shipper issue it's the entire industry that needs to band together on this and try to do as much as we can do and you're starting to see shippers make some pretty big investments within departments in their companies to try to look at their supply chain and reduce areas of opportunity for theft
0: So let's talk about that reducing opportunities for theft. Let's talk about the prevention of cargo claims. And then maybe we'll get into a little bit about management and some legal issues and all that kind of stuff. But let's try to talk about this a little bit from whether you're a shipper, you're a broker or a carrier. The perspective might be a little bit different with each, but the goal is the same. How do we get a load from A to B without it being lost or stolen or damaged or anything along those lines? What are some things that you might recommend to some carriers and brokers and shippers to prevent the loss in the first place?
1: Well, I think a lot of times we don't take the time to remember that prevention process, that starts with drivers. They are the first ones on the scene, if you think about it that way. They're the ones that have an opportunity to do a pre-trip inspection on their equipment to make sure their equipment's working right. Is the door latch working on the back of the trailer? If it's not, is it something that could be easily popped open and have access to all the cargo? So it starts with something as simple as their pre-trip inspection before they get in the rig and go to make the pickup. Once they get to the pickup, is there going to be a seal on the load, for instance? If there is going to be a seal on the load, let's make sure that when we go to deliver that that paperwork is signed with the seal intact on it, assuming that the seal has not been broken in route. If there's not going to be a seal on the load, does the shipper allow for a shipper load and count notation to be put on the bill of lading? So there's some protection there. I guess I'm getting off into a little bit of a different angle here. We were talking about cargo theft and how can we avoid cargo theft, but there's also the actual damaged product or the shortage of product in the claim itself. But once the driver leaves the dock with the load, he really has responsibility toward making sure that the load is watched over until it's delivered. So that goes into things like if it's an overnight run and your driver's going to have to spend time on the road, where is he going to spend that time on the road? Does the carrier know? Do we know where he's going to spend the night? Are we okay with the location that he's going to to spend the night? There's a lot of decisions that need to be made by the driver that he's not going to come back to the dispatcher and say, are you okay if I park here? But you need to educate that contractor or that employee driver well enough to know that, hey, here's the cargo you have on board. So when you're stopping for the evening, here's some precautions that we've got to take. Kind of goes back to a real simple thing, too, that I probably should have mentioned at the beginning of this sentence was, does the driver know what they're hauling? So many times the driver really doesn't pay enough attention to, here's what I'm going to pick up.
0: Yeah, that what am I hauling? And I understand the viewpoint. I get the logic. But I know that there's schools of thought of, I want to know everything. I'm shipping, brokering, hauling. And I want to make sure everybody knows what it is so that we can take those extra steps of vigilance. And I probably lean more towards that camp. But there's also a school of thought of, this is a load of very high valuable cosmetics or tobacco or cell phones or whatever it is and I don't want people to know that that's what's in here, because I don't want to become a target for more of the internal theft or the organized theft in that way. Make no mistake about it, organized theft is a significant issue as well. I can understand that school of thought, and probably both are right. There probably are some types of loads where you really, if you're the shipper, it probably is best to just not tell anybody exactly what it is you're hauling. Now, The caveat, if you're going to do that, that's fine, but make sure you hold or don't hold people accountable knowing that you didn't tell them. If you didn't tell the carrier they're hauling a $2 million load of cosmetics, I don't know that that's really fair to hold them accountable as if they hauled a $2 million load of cosmetics. My point being is, is that I think everybody's got to be on the same page with what are we doing here? Are we going to be full disclosure and everybody knows what it is that we're hauling and knows whether or not this is a little bit more of a high risk load or not? Or are we going to go the perspective of we're just not going to know? I think everybody's got to kind of be on the same page. You made a lot of great points in there, Gary, and there's two that I want to spend a little bit of time on. One is, I think you're getting at is the driver, the contractor needs to plan. The dispatcher needs to help them plan and the customer service team needs to help them plan. Is there a way we can set this up and help the driver, or the contractor get there with enough hours, enough fuel that they can drive for three, four, five hours without having to stop so that they avoid the criminal that might be lurking near the point of origin? Can we help them? again, we're helping. Like you said, at the end of the day, the driver or the contractor is going to park where they need to park and they're going to do what they need to do. They're going to make their judgment calls on the road. But can we educate them on what it looks like to park safely and what it looks like to park securely and what it looks like to protect the load and the things to look out for. Not really related to cargo theft, but we at the Graw Group, we support and we're contributors to Truckers Against Trafficking. It's a great organization doing fantastic work to combat human trafficking. I'd encourage anybody to check it out in support. One of the lessons you go through the Truckers Against Trafficking training is you're just going to listen and you're going to hear and they're going to teach you about the things to look out for to identify somebody that might be a victim of trafficking. Well, A, you should go do that because I think that's a great thing. But B, same spirit. Let's coach drivers on things to keep their eye out for. Let's coach dispatchers on things to keep out the work. Let's coach the customer service people. When you're booking a load off that load board, how do you sniff out that maybe something's not legit? If you're a broker, how do you sniff out that this carrier might not be right? There's a lot of stuff that it goes back to where you and I might get involved, Gary, is we hear a lot of times is something was always off about that. I should have done something earlier. And I sit there and go, yeah, trust your gut. If your gut tells you something's off, whether you're the broker, the carrier, the driver, whatever it is, trust it. You're experienced. Your gut is probably right. And what's the worst things that can happen? You might be a little bit cautious. You might ask that extra question. And if it turns out everything is fine, so what? You spend an extra 15 minutes asking an extra question. That's okay. I think that vigilance is critical.
1: Yeah, I think vigilance, the term that pops into my head as I'm listening to you is awareness. We do such a good job in the industry or really been doing a good job in the industry with the drivers, with the contractors, with the employee drivers of awareness while they're moving down the road. We've got tools and systems in the truck that help them with that awareness issue. But that's part of the solution. The other part is being aware of where you're going to park. If you're at a big truck stop, can you get under a light so that there's a lot of light around your vehicle? Can you back up against something or another trailer? Is that possible? And just being aware from that standpoint. And then for the shipper or the broker, being aware of who is it that I'm handing over my material to to haul. What kind of background check have I done on that carrier? What are their results? If I look online and I look for the federally published results of this carrier, am I happy with that? Do they qualify? And so sometimes that comment that we hear from the shipper of, I'll do business with you, just send me your carrier qualification packet. Well, is that really the right way to do that? Or should a shipper have their own carrier qualification packet that purposefully asks the questions they want answered? so that they can become aware of who they're handing their freight over to. So I like that term awareness from a standpoint of shipper, from a standpoint of on the road, from a standpoint of parking or stopping, delivering. It's about awareness of what's going on around us.
0: Yeah. There needs to be a good carrier selection process, carrier selection program. And you do need to teach some people about the things to look out for. Hey, this paperwork's a little bit off. Maybe this is someone trying to steal some information. This phone number that they've listed here doesn't match the phone number from the FSA. When I called this number, they didn't answer with the name of the company that I expected to find on this one. The area codes don't match. Everything about the website says this company is based in Kentucky <laughs> and the area codes from what Western Montana, look for things that are inconsistent in there. Whether you're the driver, the carrier, the broker, the shipper, trust that gut a little bit. Do that due diligence. While I have never used Carrier Assure, I've used some technologies, but I have not used all of the technologies that are out there in the industry that are trying to help with carrier selection, trying to help with fraud, whether you're talking about trailer tracking, carrier selection programs. There are all sorts of vetting tools out there, and I encourage people to look at how technology can help them. It's not just about teaching and awareness. There's also got to be some technology help in there as well with 4Kites and MacroPoint and those companies that do that kind of tracking. The point being is cargo theft, cargo damage, to your point earlier, it's not just about theft. Sometimes they're just flat out damage. These are a part of the transportation world. It's a growing part of the world, unfortunately. And I think wherever you are in the supply chain, you need to be thinking to yourself, what can I do to prevent this and minimize this risk? I do want to spend maybe just five minutes talking about, okay, the claim has happened. We'll start maybe from the carrier's perspective. Gary, any thoughts, any advice, any tips on how to provide that good customer service without being a blank check?
1: I think you need to develop some experts within your company. How do you become an expert on anything? It's through repetition. Now, hopefully, you're not having all these claims that the person's getting hundreds of reps in a month. But you want to identify the people that you're going to have help to handle those situations and go back to them over and over and over. So that becomes part of their job. So they start to become your company's expert on what to look out for, how to handle things. I think that's really important. Some companies you see turn over the claim to the salesperson. Well, you may have 15 different salespeople at your company. Probably not all of those 15 people are going to be as in tune or even as caring about trying to get that claim resolved as another one may be. So find that person. It could become a one-person department, but find that person that you're going to have handle this stuff. Do everything you can do to help educate that person into how you want to see those claims handled at your organization. Then follow up. Check their work.
0: One thing is I would also extend that vetting to your insurance carrier. I'm not saying you're always going to know... Your insurance care is not going to tell you this is Joe and he's going to be the one that's handled your cargo claims. They probably have a lot bigger than just one or two people handling their claims. But to get an idea of what is their customer service look like, because it might end up being that they are the ones that they're going to represent you in managing this. But I would say is make sure you break up the customer service of what are we doing with this load on the dock that is damaged right here and now, and how do we minimize risks and issues right then and there versus let's manage the claim. So, yes, you want to be a little bit careful about we'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. We got this and all that kind of stuff. There's ways to say we're going to help get this unloaded. We're going to help get this transloaded. We're going to get this moved over to a different dock or shipped back to the origin, whatever. And here's the people and the process for filing claims or processing claims. And we'll be prompt in our investigations. There's ways to walk that balance. And similarly with a broker, the toughest spot to be in is that broker, because a lot of the law says that you broker are not liable for cargo claims. There's some contract issues that can come into that, and there can be ways that brokers are liable. It's not universal that they're not. But as a baseline rule, as a general rule, brokers are not liable for cargo claims. But the shipper is definitely going to look to the broker to take care of them. Yes, I like what you said, Gary. Who's that team of people within your brokerage that is going to be responsive and make sure the shipper knows that you are a part of finding a resolution and also that the carrier knows is a part of finding the resolution? Because a good broker isn't playing favorites between shipper and carrier. They're trying to find middle ground and good partners and all that kind of stuff. There is an art to providing that kind of customer service, managing those exceptions. Make sure your people know how to do that. Make sure you've identified the people that are going to do that. Because I think, in my experience, most everybody can deal with bad news if it is delivered promptly, clearly, and with some reasonable basis. They can deal with that. So set up your processes carrier broker to make sure that you can be prompt and civil and polite and professional and responsive all those words with your claims handling without turning quite into a blank check but also paying promptly if you're liable I mean, if you're liable take care of it get it done there are ways to do it and i would encourage people to make sure your carriers and brokers out there to train your people on how to do this We've got some experience. We're happy to help with some of that training if necessary, but do make sure you've got some people that know how to do this.
1: Yeah. And I think the key word there that you just mentioned is the art of it that has everything to do with putting the right person in the right seat. You're going to know your people. You're going to know their strengths and weaknesses, and you're going to know who is capable of representing your company, whether you're a broker, or a shipper, or a carrier. You're going to know who's capable of representing your company and following the direction that you need and that you've given and have the art piece of it figured out, the way they conduct themselves, the way they communicate. You'll be able to figure that out. But it gets back to that rule of thumb that's important everywhere, right? The right person. Person in the right seat.
0: Well said. Gary enjoyed the discussion
1: as always. Hopefully, our talk today, our time
0: spent a little bit on independent contractor status. A little bit spent on cargo claim prevention, cargo claim management. We could go on probably for another two, three hours about cargo claims and independent contractor status, I'm sure. But hopefully this has been helpful for our listeners. Happy to go in more detail with any of you listeners. If you'd like to, just feel free to reach out to us. Check us out on our website, thegrawgroup.com, and we're happy to engage and help you however we can. In the meantime, everyone be safe out there. Keep on listening.